This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Kyle Agri and Anthony Kleinwachter. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing. Come on in and grab a bucket. We are talking ice fishing. Kyle Agri, Anthony Kleinwachter, we are your host, and this is Shack Talk Ice Fishing Podcast. Anthony, it's uh, it's always great to be back in front of the mic talking about ice fishing, and, and I hope you and all the listeners had a happy Thanksgiving. You know, uh, we got a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful for, and and I always enjoy the opportunity for that day to gather with family and friends and, and to be able to really just kind of contemplate a little bit on really all that we have, and we're, we're pretty fortunate. Uh, we're pretty fortunate in our lives, and we're pretty fortunate in our hobbies as well and our passions to be able to do what we do, and that's that's awesome. Today is Black Friday. It's, uh, it's here. The holiday shopping season has kicked off, and you know, Anthony, maybe before we jump into to some ice fishing on ice talk and, and since it is Black Friday and this podcast is dropping, let's just, you got a couple of recommendations for folks who are out, uh, maybe looking for some gift ideas for the ice angler in their life, whether it be a son or daughter, uh, a husband or wife or, or parent, whatever it might be. Absolutely. I know for myself, anytime I can give somebody a, a hint or an idea for gifts, they appreciate it because... I'm a avid outdoorsman and I buy what I want. Like I don't wait for Christmas. I don't wait for holidays or birthdays. And so I know I'm hard to shop for. So I always find it helpful to be able to give the, those suggestions to people. And yes, thanks to, for alluding to that. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I had a, a great Thanksgiving and happy to be here talking to our listeners. As far as gift ideas, um, Let's see here. I'll, I'll give three. I'm going to give a, a small, a medium, and a large gift. Perfect. Uh, if I was to pick like a small gift, um, whether it's a stocking stuffer or doing a gift exchange, uh, I always look at like a headlamp or something, you know, a good flashlight, something that's rechargeable. You're not relying on batteries, um, has a little bit of longevity. They've come a long way with the LED lighting and they're super bright. Having something like that, I think is really helpful. Now we're getting into the dead of winter where it's dark in the morning and it's dark at night when you're getting off the ice or whatever you're doing outside. So I think that's uh, something that I would recommend for, for a kind of a lower price point item. And, you know, Anthony, that's a great gift, whether they're an ice angler or not. I mean, even any kind of outdoor activities, you know, hunting or, or open water fishing, that's a great gift too. Absolutely. Yeah. I use mine year round, whether it's hunting, fishing, just working outdoors, um, use it a lot. As far as a medium ice item or maybe something more related to ice fishing, I'm excited for the new Eskimo rod locker. Looking forward to to having that. I've had the opportunity to check it out and looking forward to adding that to my lineup. So I think that's something that's new this year that maybe somebody doesn't have or maybe they're looking to to add a, an ice uh, rod locker to their, to their list of gear. So, yeah, I would recommend that. And for, a, I would say, a large price point item, I'm going to have to go with like Garmin live scope or any of the live imaging fish finding technology. I mean, it's, it's an absolute game changer. I obviously had the opportunity to use it the last couple of years out on the ice. And honestly, if you got somebody that's diehard, that's probably the number one thing on their list. If they don't have it like on their wish list. Yeah. You know, uh, 
that is, it's an amazing tool. It's an amazing piece of technology. And there's just, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way the world is going, isn't it? I mean, uh, if you're looking for a, a big ticket item, that, that definitely would be up there. Yeah, and it, it has open water applications too. So, I mean, it's not just limited to ice fishing. I know that was how I sold it to my wife is that I could put it on the boat and use it in the open water as well. So it wasn't just using it on the ice. So um, if, you're, if you're advocating for that, make sure that they know that you can use it open water too. That's really cool. Those are some great ideas. Yeah, how about you? What do you what's your, on your list? Well, um, just giving it some thought here while you were sharing your ideas, one of the stocking stuffers that I do almost every year, it's almost gotten to be not a surprise for my son and son-in-law, and, and this year our foster son will, will get it too, and, and hopefully they're, they're not listening too closely right now to the podcast because it'll, uh, it'll take the surprise away, but I always get them a 10-pack of the disposable hand warmers. I don't, I don't care if you're out in the deer stand. I don't care if you're out in the ice shack. Uh, if you're waiting for the bus in the morning, waiting for the car to warm up, if you're, uh, you know, out shoveling snow, those those hand warmers have a million different applications. Throw them in your your little battery case for your ion and and keep your battery warm on those really frigid days out on the ice. I mean, there's just a million things you can do with those hand warmers, and you can never have too many of them. That'd be my stocking stuffer. As far as a medium range item, the I guess there's two things that I originally thought one, but there's two things that come to my mind. One would be the Eskimo pistol bit. That has changed the way I ice fish, not having to to carry gas, not having to carry a big auger out on the ice, using my brushless drill from home. And and it's an amazing piece of, it's an amazing tool right there out on the ice. The other thing I was thinking of, you mentioned the, the electronics. I think for so many folks who have existing electronics, you could go out and purchase one of those lithium batteries. You know, Mar- Markham has a whole lineup of different batteries to, f- to fit different electronics, different sizes, different capacities and whatnot. And, and upgrading someone from the old lead acid to a lithium battery in their existing tools, it would be a great, great upgrade for them. And that's, that's another option. I think for a big, a big present, a big gift, you know, it's, I think that's an easy one. The Eskimo Outbreak shelters, the hub shelters with the full-size door. You got the 250, 450, 650, and 850. You got the whole lineup. There's just so many many awesome benefits of that full door and the different sizes. We've got ice fishing, obviously. You got ice camping, which is a huge thing now. You've got, uh, you can use them as as a warming shelter on the ice rink if you want. I mean, there's just, they are just an incredible piece. And then, and they'd be more of a big ticket item, so. Yeah, that's that's my lineup as far as recommendations. Yeah, no, I think those are great, great ideas. And there are there's so many applications for those things. And, you know, like you said, the pistol bit is for anybody that has a a drill in their, you know, in their garage or something that they use. It's a great addition to the lineup. Even if you already have a, a ice auger, you know, gas, electric, whatever that pistol bit, I mean, once you've used one, it's pretty hard to get away from it. It's not just an early ice season tool. It's a it's an all season tool. Well, you know, and honestly, I I haven't touched my old metal flighting either because I, I have a power auger, right? I've got a propane-powered auger, one of the Eskimos, but I got the pistol bit adapter and put the pistol bit onto that power head when I want to use the, the propane power head. Absolutely. Hey, getting away from the shopping because I, I know it's that's the season too, but it's also the season for ice fishing and throughout 
the ice belt, not everywhere, but in many locations, we've seen folks out venturing out onto ice, uh, first ice of the year with this cold snap we had since basically that second week of the the firearms deer season in, in the Minnesota and North Dakota, for sure. I know Wisconsin was a little later and so was South Dakota, but that brought in some of that colder weather and you know, we want to remind folks, ice safety is pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. If you're venturing out, um, you know, I always remind people to have the safety gear that we've talked about before, you know, whether it's a float suit, ice picks, mud bar, throw rope, you know, life preserver, any of those things, make sure you have that. The one thing I'll mention too, that maybe gets overlooked too, is don't go out in the morning when it's dark out, wait until there's daylight, make sure you know where you're going, what you're doing. I mean, once you're out there, it's probably fine to be able to get back to shore. Um, Cause you've been out there, you know, so you can come off the ice at, you know, at dark or something like that, but definitely don't recommend going out early in the morning. Make sure you know what you're getting into before you start setting foot out onto the ice. Especially this time of the year, Anthony. I mean, there's so much of the reading of the ice. That's a visual thing. Right. And, and being able to see ice conditions and thickness. And yeah, that's, that's great advice for folks. Uh, we've got a long ice season ahead of us. You know, there's, there's a lot of time to get out and do those things. First ice is exciting. It's fun, but it's not worth risking our lives over. And, and just a few of those precautions can be pretty, pretty important this time of the year. And, uh, and certainly we don't want to minimize it the rest of the year either. Ice, ice safety is important every time you set foot on ice. Absolutely. And, you know, weather can play a factor in it too. I mean, you know, you get a few windy days that can mess things up a little bit, or if it warms up a little bit, um, like we saw just before the Thanksgiving holiday, I mean, that's going to put a damper on things, but hopefully we get some calm winds and some cold nights and things firm up a little bit better. And, you know, we can get out there soon. I know I'm, I'm anxiously waiting. I got a few things on the calendar for the next couple of weekends, but uh, after that, it's going to be full go, I think. Hey, speaking of those things on the calendar, the next couple of weekends, I'm assuming those are some of the upcoming ice shows. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll be, I know both you and I will be down at the St. Paul show uh, for the St. Paul ice fishing show. That's going to be a great time. It's always fun to get down there and see all the, see all the people in the industry and all the consumers and answer their questions. That's December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Um, so I know both you and I will be down there and then it's back up to, to Fargo back home and we'll be doing the, the Fargo ice show, the 10th, 11th and 12th. So really looking forward to that, getting back into that. And then, then it's fishing from there on out, right? A hundred percent. The ice shows are always fun though. I enjoy that having the opportunity to get out and, and interact with all of you, our, our listeners and, and the ice fishing world. Everyone is so enthusiastic about it this time of the year, and we're ready to get out there and, and, and make it happen. And, and it's that time of the year, too. We alluded to it earlier, shopping, right? We're looking for our, the gear we need for this season. We're looking for gifts. We're looking for, you know, just making sure we've got all of those up-to-date tools and, and safety pieces of equipment and so on and, and talking with people, telling some stories. And, and just, uh, you know, after missing all last year, Anthony, it's going to be a lot of catching up and seeing some some friendly, familiar faces. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we got two years of new products to, you know, put our hands on and check out. I mean, if if we didn't get to see it last year when it came out, we probably, you know, didn't have that opportunity. But that's one of my favorite things is seeing what's new out there and getting to be able to put your hands on it and check it out and hopefully adding it to the shopping cart and, and bringing it home with you. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of ice shows... We've got, we've got this podcast here that, that's dropping on Black Friday, as we said, but we also have our next episode, which is going to coincide with that Fargo Ice Show, 
we've gotten some some responses. We really appreciate that. If you've listened to our previous episode and and shot some ideas our way, we're still open to that. We're basic early the early part of that show. We're going to record with uh, some guests, some people that are going to be at the show, and uh, and it's going to drop towards the end of the show. But we're going to basically do the whole process right there during the Fargo Ice Show. And so uh, if you still, there's still time. If you have some ideas, send them our way. Absolutely love hearing from you. Yeah, if you've never been to an ice show and want to know what it's about or have specific questions, that's what we're looking for. We want to talk to, you know, industry experts, ice fishing experts, random guests. I don't know who we're going to interview because uh, we'll be doing it at the show. But, you know, anything and everything is open for discussion. We want to kind of just bring the ice fishing show experience to the listener all sorts of fun it's just fun stuff happening all around anthony um you know when i go back to those gift ideas one thing we completely did not mention which would be a great gift but what about ice apparel there's just a ton of it and we got a great guest coming up what who are we going to be welcoming to the podcast here in another couple minutes yeah so for this episode we thought it would be great to really dive into the topic of ice apparel and you know what really sets these different pieces apart before, you know, in the last probably five to 10 years, the technical pieces have really taken off. And for somebody that's maybe new to the ice fishing game and you don't really know what's the difference between this suit and that suit or why there's all these space layers and insulating layers and all these different pieces and how they, they fit into what you're going to wear out on the ice and make you comfortable. So I think it's really great. We're going to bring in someone from, from Artisan. Uh, they help design all the Eskimo apparel, Sarah Goodman. So she'll be joining us and really looking forward to talking to her and kind of picking her brain a little bit on, you know, what goes into the thought process on, on how they design these pieces and what they look for and what a consumer should look for when they're buying them. So really looking forward to, to welcome her into the podcast. And so we'll get her on the, on the podcast here shortly. So we'll be right back. are back and uh, really excited to welcome Sarah Goodman. Uh, Sarah is from Artisam. She works for Artisam and has really taken the development of ice apparel and brought it to where it is today. Sarah, welcome to Shack Talk. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, as we look at ice apparel, obviously in the last, and, and how long have you been with Artisam? I should maybe back up just a little bit. It's been about four and a half years. Four and a half years, yeah. And and prior to that, I know you worked in the outdoor industry, but not in ice fishing. Just share a little bit to our listeners about kind of what history you brought into your current role. Yeah, um, before I came to Artisan, I was working in the in the hunting outdoor um, apparel um, market. So um, really similar market base, really similar um, features. And things when it came to, you know, the overall technology and things. But ice fishing definitely is a bit different as far as you're not as concerned about noise. And you're much more concerned with certain durability and, of course, the float and that kind of thing. So I was I was doing that for, let's see, I think around eight to ten years before I came here. And what great experience to bring into the ice fishing world my, you know, my personal opinion, I think we've had these conversations before, 
the hunting world probably was was ahead of fishing in terms of some of those technical aspects of apparel. And, and now we see it moving into into fishing, both open water and on the ice. You look historically at ice fishing apparel and, you know, the, the old coveralls or we've all watched the grumpy old men movies, right? The old uh, wool flannel jackets and, and stuff like that. And I think for many of us, that's what we grew up thinking was ice fishing apparel. And, and obviously in the last five to 10 years, things have changed drastically drastically for the better, right? And, and in terms of where that process has gone. What what do you think, Sarah, are some of the maybe factors that have brought the ice fishing world where it is today? You know, like you said, it's sort you know, in the last 10, 20 years, most people were wearing workwear or whatever they would wear sledding or skiing or whatever out on the ice. And now it the the focus on more technical, more sport specific apparel I think has really spread throughout any type of outdoor activity, right? Like when you look for a ski jacket, you're looking specifically for a ski jacket. Same with hunting. You're looking specifically for hunting because it's quiet or whatever. And now I think that's gotten into ice fishing apparel because they understand there's certain features that you need on an ice fishing garment, um, like float, for example, but also knee pads or, or reinf- and reinforced knees bigger pockets so you have a place to put your big mitten when you're when you need your dexterity on your hands and things like that no absolutely and i think you know float obviously is got to be one of the the main innovations in ice fishing apparel you know that adage and having that additional safety feature built into a suit is something that's kind of uncomparable to anything else and you know we've really seen that take over and I mean, I know for myself, windproofing, waterproofing, you know, that can really make or break a day out on the ice, especially for an angler that maybe likes to be mobile and doesn't want to use a shack the entire time. Because let's be honest, if you're sitting in a shack, you probably don't need the highest top-end suit that there is out on the market. You're spending only a minimal amount of time out on the ice. But if you're, you know, running and gunning or going from hole to hole and spending a lot of time outdoors, those additional features really make a difference in a suit. And, you know, that's why there are the different, you know, levels of suits that, you know, are out on the market and different options. And I think, you know, for the consumer, it can be a little confusing when you're looking at things like you just look at price usually. And, you know, how do you, how do they understand the differences in some of those and what, what really makes a difference in some of those suits? So I think there's a few things to look at when you're talking about the biggest differences with suits. One, of course, that's obvious is the amount of insulation um, or padding in the suit to really, you know, stop the cold from getting in. Another thing to think about is the amount of waterproofing and breathability that's included in the suit. And when we talk about waterproof and breathability, that is the the membrane, the layer of thin, thin plastic that's on the inside of the fabric, um, the main outer fabric. And looking at that, you know, depending on what you do when you fish, whether or not you're running and gunning or if you're just sitting, um, that can affect what type of membrane or what type of waterproofing you should get. Um, generally a basic level is probably okay because you're most likely sitting most of the day, but if you are a run and gunner, you're going to want something that's more, more breathable so that your, your sweat can dry up and escape basically. And you don't end up freezing, um, when you do end up sitting for a little while. 
Um, the other things to look at, I would say definitely the, the, the level of float and, and DWR. That's another feature on a lot of outerwear. And that is where the, there's an external finish put onto the, the shell and that causes the water to beat up and roll off and not soak into the fabric. So you don't end up with a really heavy with a really heavy suit at the end of the day, especially if you're drilling a lot of holes and you end up with a lot of water on your on your ankles. You don't want that to be soaking in and freezing. So having a good DWR finish is really important on an ice fishing suit. You know, practically you look at, as an ice angler, perspiration is, I mean, that's your enemy, right? When you're out on the ice because you're working in such a cold environment, but yet you, you reference the anglers who run and gun and they're, they're moving and they're working and they're they're active, and obviously that's going to create an increase in body temperature, metabolism, and perspiration. So that has to get out, right? That's what we're referencing there. We've all been in that spot where we've we've been out getting everything set up, drilling holes, being ready, and you kind of get get warm and sweaty, and then you sit down and and if you don't have that ability to to let that moisture out, it doesn't take that long, and you're froze. I mean, you get cold quickly. Uh, when you get to that inactive phase of your your day out on the ice. I wanted to back up a little bit to the float piece because we've we've alluded to it a couple of times here and and I think the float plus the uh, the breathability comes into to play. When we talk about a float suit, most people wouldn't even know when they look at an ice suit that it has that float liner. What is it inside the makeup of that bib or jacket that allows it to float and have that much buoyancy when it's that thin? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a layer of foam that that's wrapped around the entire garment for the most part. And also because you've got a waterproof membrane on the shell of these suits, that allows a fair amount of air to get trapped on the inside of the suit as well. So let's let's be clear that it's float assist though. It's it's not a personal flotation device, but it will between that foam and the air that's trapped, it will help you stay buoyant until you can get out of the water. And I think it's good to note too for people, and we've mentioned this before, is, you know, if you can, maybe you can only afford a a set of bibs or just a jacket, one of those will make a difference in that float assist. Um, You don't need both pieces of gear to to be able to float in the water. Um, It does make a difference, obviously. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that the bibs, it helps get their legs up when you're trying to get out of the water. If, if, you happen to break through ever. Um, so I think that's a really important piece to note that it does, does either piece would help assist in that float. Um, if for, for some reason you happen to go in the water. Definitely. Yeah. We've done some pool tests and wearing the whole suit, you can pretty much just float there for several minutes without having to really move similar with a bib, but you do have to work a little harder to kind of keep your upper body afloat and same thing with just a jacket. I appreciate that you mentioned the fact that this is not a personal flotation device. This is a float assist. And and again, I think that's worth emphasizing to our listeners. It's peace of mind. It's safety. Those are all hugely important. It's meant to help you get out of the water should those worst case scenarios happen. And we actually had a chance to interview last season a couple of gentlemen who had scenarios where they fell through the ice. And they described that whole experience. And they were both wearing float suits or bibs and and just what that did for them. I would encourage you if you're interested at all and you're listening to this podcast to go back to season five and and re-listen to those because that's just pretty, it, it hits really close to home when you can hear somebody actually describe what they went through uh, with that float assist experience and how it 
potentially save their life. I wanted to just maybe maybe kind of take it in a, in a direction where um, we're talking about ice apparel and it's so many other aspects. Sarah, you reference hunting. And I think in the hunting world, people talk about systems. And it's not just one outer piece. It's not just one set of bibs. But yet it's a system that they use to, to manage moisture, to manage warmth, wind, and, and waterproofing. And really, we've got base layers, insulating layers, and our outer layers, right? And can you just explain a little bit about how they all work together and why they're all important when we're considering what we wear out on the ice? Yeah, yeah. So let's start with the base layer. The base layer um, can be a variety of different types of garments, but usually you're going to want something that is a little bit closer to the skin. It doesn't have to be compression, but a little bit closer to the skin so that it can quickly take the moisture that you do perspire and move that to the outer layers. Usually you're going to, you're going to want to look for something that has a wicking finish um, or a wicking property to get that moisture away from your body quickly so that you don't end up being being cold, like we talked about before. Um, that can be, you know, a synthetic, like a polyester with probably spandex mixed into it. It could be a wool-based layer. A lot, of, a lot of people really like the properties of wool. Um, there are some inherent or natural moisture properties in wool, but also some odor management properties in wool as well. So that's kind of what you want to look for in a base layer. When you go out to the insulating layers, this is where you might want something that you can wear without an outer jacket on um, or or that can you can easily take off from underneath your jacket. So something with some insulation in it. You might want wicking on this. You might also want DWR because you might end up using this as an outer layer depending on the temperatures. It's really about being able to be versatile and flexible for, for the day that you're out there and for the different days that you're out there. And so, yeah, there's different, there's different pants and, and hoodies and, and jackets and vests that you could use for that insulating layer. And then your outer layer, that's really talking about your waterproof, your breathability, your DWR. Um, when you look at a waterproof garment, they're going to have tape seams. You want it to have tape seams so no water can get through there too. I didn't talk about that before, but tape seams are really important. They're, they most likely won't be advertised on the garment, but if it says that it's waterproof, it should have tape seams. You can check, you can kind of like feel the seam and you'll feel that the area around the seams are, is a little thicker and that, that kind of tells you that it's taped. Uh, just one quick question there, Sarah. Yeah. You know, out in the consumer world, we see waterproof, we see water resistant. Yeah. What's the difference there? But is there an industry standard? Is there a difference in terms of what we're looking at in, in ice garments? Yeah, yeah, that gets a little bit confusing because there's water resistant, there's waterproof, and then there's also water repellent. So <laughs> water repellent is really, so I'll start with that. Water repellent is probably the least amount. That's where there's probably just an external finish on there. Um, that's kind of that DWR finish that is going to stop water from soaking in. Um, so actually in the Eskimo lineup, for example, the shanty boss, the, the new shanty boss hoodies and the shanty boss sweatpants have DWR on them and no other waterproofing. So that kind of stops water from soaking into those items, which is a really nice feature. Um, water resistant typically means that 
probably a coating on the back of it or a membrane, but water's probably eventually going to soak through. It might also mean that the seams aren't taped. So it might have a full membrane, but the seams aren't taped. And then when you say waterproof, that means it's got a membrane or a really good coating that meets a certain waterproof rating and the seams are taped. I think that's great information. And, you know, there's a lot of other technical aspects to each of those layers, whether it's a base layer, insulating layer, outerwear. Walk us maybe through some of those features. I know in the past we've talked about, you know, certain areas where we have, you know, gussets or different things to keep the air out or, you know, add for flexibility and adjustability. What, what types of features should someone look for in the apparel that they're using just, you know, to add some of that functionality? Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, well, on your base layers, um, besides like the wicking and that kind of thing, when it comes to actual like the construction of the garment, you probably want to look for flat seams um and and kind of feel the thread in those seams as well make sure that it's going to be comfortable on your skin because that is going to be right up against your body and then for mid layers i mean you're going to want something depending on how it fits and how you prefer your items to fit you might want some stretch in there you might want some stretch gussets or maybe just some gussets you know under this under the arms or under the sleeves that maybe allow for more breathability or um, more movement is really, really what you talk about there. Um, there's also different ways of adding more movement through through the patterning of the garment. So gussets, there's there's something called darts where you're actually pinching fabric out or, you, or everybody knows what pleats are. That's, that's another way to add movement. So you might wanna just kind of look over the garment when you're picking it out and you're trying it on and kind of see that and, and that's the same with outerwear. We add crotch gussets into our bibs and our pants to allow for more, more mobility when you're lifting your leg or when you're walking or climbing. And then in, in the knees as well, we add darts and things to the knee panels to make that more, more mobile, but yet not add so much bulk. That's really what, what sets us apart, I think, is we're adding these darts and gussets and all of these things into these items so that you get really great movement without wearing a big sack out onto the lake, I guess. So, and even in elbows as well and sleeves, we, we add gussets underneath the arm, underneath the armholes and um, in the elbows for movement. So what you're trying to say is that these technical garments where they've got the patterns and maybe they've got different colors, you know, like you think about some of the outdoor apparel, they're different colors and patterns. There's more to it than just them adding in these seams and, and gussets in different places. I mean, there's functionality built into it. It's not just to create a pattern on the, on the garment or, you know, make it look cool. It's also for functionality. I think that's something where, you know, people or consumers can look at those types of garments you know and having that in mind you knowing that that's going to add some functionality to it as well for sure yeah and another thing i guess is i mean we talked about breathability with the membranes but also um like venting underneath the armholes and then also like on some of our bibs we have zippers on the legs they're full leg zippers but then you can also zip them down from from the top so you could use that as venting as well so there's yeah there's so many features to look at to make your day on the ice much more comfortable um and and easier to move and all of that 
Yeah, zippers all the way to the hip are a must for me. I mean, taking your bibs on and off with a pair of boots on, um, that's something that, you know, I'm always looking for and being able to have that feature. And then, like you said, mentioned being able to zip them down from the top, open them up when you're walking out so that you can let air in um, so that you're not overheating. Um, so, yeah, zippers are key for me and, and just having some of those, that functionality. Mm-hmm. Sarah, let's just get practical. Because if you look at the whole industry, there are so many options when it comes to ice suits and ice apparel. Even within the Eskimo lineup, there's multiple different suits and pieces that consumers have to choose from. Yeah. So they go into their sporting goods store, their sporting good retailer in their, their local community. What are the, I don't know, three or four questions, key questions that they should be asking that person working in that, that retail store to help them, or maybe it's questions they should be asking themselves as well, um, Mm -hmm. to help them choose the best suit for, you know, the way they fish and kind of their style of a day out on the ice. Yeah. I think the biggest things to think about, I don't know that they're necessarily questions you would ask the salesperson, but I think things to think about when you're, when you're looking for a suit is, how mobile are you when you, when you fish, do you need a super breathable suit? That's got great mobility and, you know, it's really easy to move in and then think about your weather conditions. You know, are you, are you, are you somebody that doesn't care about the weather and you'll go out on, in a blizzard, but also on a great, wonderful day, or, or do you just prefer to fish when it's really nice out? That's another thing to think about and, and kind of decide, you know, what type of suit and what type of features and how much, in, how much insulation you need in your suit. I think one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, are you the angler who's out there now at first ice, right? Are you the angler that fishes through January and February through the blizzards outside? Or do you wait until you can drive your car or truck out on the ice? Are you in a, in a wheelhouse where, you know, essentially like Anthony alluded to, you're, you're only in the elements for a short period of time. For sure. Yeah. And, And if you're somebody that takes a sled, a sled out and walks out, you know, like there's all these different yeah, and for me, I'm, I'm looking at functionality, like Kyle alluded to. Can I use this suit in multiple conditions? Um, I know, for instance, I had the, the opportunity to run the Superior suit, and that has a removable insulation layer on the bottoms and the tops. And for me, that's key. I don't, you know, I don't use that in the early season or late season. And, you know, rarely, unless it's really cold out, do I actually use those insulation layers, but it's nice to have that additional functionality of a kind of a multi-purpose suit um, versus just one level level of insulation. So I think, you know, for me, that was one really nice piece um, that I got to use and and would recommend um, for those that are looking for kind of that additional flexibility. For me, that's a September through May suit, right? Without the insulating layers, those early and late open water outings, uh, it works great for that. Another one of my favorites, and I know, Sarah, you had a lot to do with the design and implement. You had a lot to do with all of them. So that's that's maybe not fair, but this one is one that, that I feel is really neat. And you kind of alluded to it earlier, and that's the bib jack. That's that oh, yeah. hoodie piece that you can wear with a set of bibs, and it still has that DWR layer on the shoulders and arms that are exposed outside of the bibs, but yet the piece that uh, is, you know, around your core, that's more of an insulating comfort level layer. And the combination of the two is just awesome. Yeah. And the whole thing is windproof too. So you think about that and yeah, and it layers really nicely because the lower part is fleece. So it's not as bulky as the insulated top with the 
with the BWR on it. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about bulk, I know for me, I was never a vest guy, but the new flag chaser vests um, that we came out with is, is one of my favorite pieces. I wear it a lot. Um, it adds the warmth in your core where you need it, but still allows for the flexibility in your arms. You're not adding any bulk to your arms, whether you're wearing a jacket or another outer layer. So for me, I, I really like that piece. And I guess I'll give another PSA. I, I was always somebody that, you know, wore jeans or, you know, a pair of pants like that switch over to wear like a pair of sweatpants or the shack boss pants under your bibs. It'll, it'll change your life. It'll change your perspective. It just, it's so much more comfortable out on the ice. And like you mentioned that it adds some of that functionality, whether it's the DWR or the, the moisture wicking properties, it's so much better than a pair of blue jeans. Yeah, for sure. Jeans just don't move with you like sweatpants or other base layers do. So yeah, I definitely recommend for people to to try it at least. Try using sweatpants once or twice. Sarah, would you comment a little bit about on the the development of women's ice apparel? Because I I really think that's a huge step forward for Eskimo and and they're not alone. There's others, but I mean I, I think you can look at the Eskimo lineup and say, wow, what what nice options for women suits that are designed for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we looked at a lot of the different features. And, you know, the, the two women's ice suits that we have right now, they, they kind of marry up to the men's version as far as fabrication and overall features. But there's definitely some things incorporated in them that um, really fit more to a women's, a woman's body. And, and so, for example, on the women's keeper, um, there's an elastic panel in the back of the jacket that kind of tucks in the waist area and makes that less bulky, but still really comfortable around around a you know a curvier figure. And then, as far as the bib goes, we do cut our women's bibs shorter to allow for more comfort in the bust area, so you're not constricted with a higher up bib in the front. I think most women would understand that comment. Well, and let's, let's call it what it is. My wife was hugely excited when you released the women's legend uh, bibs yes. because of the, the drop seat and, and, yes. and for a, a, a woman out on the ice, that's, I think we can all understand that's, that's a big convenience factor there when you're out in the elements. So that, that's yep, really cool sure. as well. Yep. I wanted to make sure and mention that. Thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so Sarah, you, this is this has been great as far as educating all of us listening today about some of the different aspects of of ice apparel. What about once we buy it? Right, we bring it home and and we take it out on the ice, and of course, every time all of us go out on the ice, we catch tons of fish, and so we've got you know <laughs> fish slime and bait and I mean you name it, right? We just go out and, yep. and have fun and play and and get dirty. What's the care involved with these suits? We just throw them in the wash and wash them, or are there certain things we want to keep in mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just so everybody knows, I mean, all of our suits do have, you know, there is a care label in there to to read and whatever. But simply put, you want to machine wash these cold and, and more or less keep it on, on your, you know, like your um, delicates or even the permanent press cycle, something that's not going to, you know, agitate it too much and spin it too fast because there is the membrane and the foam in there. So um, it can be, it can get to be a pretty heavy item in a washing machine. So machine wash, cold, gentle, delicate, perm press, 
Use whatever detergent you would usually use, but don't use softener. Please do not use softener. It'll um, clog up the membrane. It'll start to wear down the DWR, and it's, it's just not good for technical items. So don't use softener. Um, you don't want to dry clean these, and you don't want to use chlorine bleach. And then for, for our float suits, you should hang these up to dry. Um, in the winter months where most of us live, we live in pretty dry climate. So they, they only take a day or two to dry. Um, so just hang it up and let it dry and you should have a nice clean suit. Thank you, Sarah. That helps a lot. And, and I appreciate the care label, but I'm going to be honest. I've never read one of those once in my life. So you explaining <laughs> it is perfect. Now I know okay. what to do. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah, I really appreciate, you know, uh, hopping on the Shack Talk with us and talking to the listeners and kind of going through these pieces because it really has. It's changed a lot. We talk a lot about on the podcast, you know, advancements in technology and ice fishing and oftentimes apparel does get overlooked. Um, it's something that's really changed. It can make or break a person's day out on the water, um, whether or not they're comfortable and, you know, we all know that getting cold is no fun. And, you know, for somebody new getting into the sport, um, having that knowledge on why there's all these different suits and the different base layers and everything else that go into it. So really appreciate you, you know, joining us on, on Shack Talk to talk about these things. And, you know, if anybody does have questions, what's a good way to contact, um, you know, maybe they want to reach out on an, an item that's on the website. Is there a way for them to contact to get a hold of somebody? Yeah, they can um, go to our website and there there's a contact us link there and that would go to the customer service. And it's real if it gets really specific, they can they reach out to me directly and they'll answer your questions. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, for the listeners, thanks for joining us on another episode of Shack Talk. Uh, I want to thank Eskimo for giving us the opportunity to to bring this information to you. And, and Kyle and I, we're, we're selfishly enjoying all the conversations that we've had. If you've missed anything, make sure to go back and listen to the previous episodes that we've mentioned. And until next time, get out on the ice, have fun, be safe, and we'll talk to you later. Hey.